0: And so it's a bit of a confession time, uh, because about two weeks ago, I was up, up in Northumberland with my daughter, one of my daughters, and was invited to preach at her newly formed church on the subject of Advent. Not the same message as this, you'll be pleased to know, but, and I said, we never had Advent calendars. How many people have got Advent calendars? Wow, look at it. We never had one. She said, Dad, I think you were just so mean, we never had one. I don't know whether that was true or not, but she obviously got a long-felt hurt there and had to voice it publicly. Um, But anyway, when we think about Advent, Advent is all about the coming of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. And yet Christmas, or Xmas, as it's been abbreviated in many ways, is actually often about fun, family, presents, maybe too much to drink, too much to eat, and all those sort of excesses that we associate with Christmas. I'm not sure where the reindeers came or where Santa came, but they're all in the mix. And so often, those things take priority over what Jesus really means at Christmas. And so when we think today, we're going to think about something that Steve has alluded to about what Jesus means in terms of peace. We should have up on the screen behind me a reading... That comes from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, which is as follows. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. And that particular verse has really resonated with me a lot this year, maybe because I'm preaching on it, but it's gone around in lots of little circles for me. So often we read it at carol services, one of the, the carol service readings. But the words in there are just so, so significant. And his name shall be called Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the only ruler of princes. But he is the Prince of Peace. And part of my aim today is for us to engage with that prince. As Steve has already said, we need to know that Jesus is our saviour. For if we don't know him, then there is a God-shaped hole in our life that needs to be filled and in our hearts. That particular passage was first given almost 740 years before the birth of Christ. Christ and yet it was fulfilled in his birth. And here we are in the 21st century, three times almost that period, still celebrating the Prince of Peace. Still enjoying the fact that he has a significant place and wants a significant place in our life. Maybe you're coming today and you're not a church goer. Maybe you're here today and it's the first time in a place like this and you think, well, this is a funny sort of church because it hasn't got stained glass windows, it hasn't got the things that we associate in our religious vernacular. But the reality is that Prince of Peace is here today, because he's not about buildings, he's about people. He's not about building edifices as grand as this is, he is about communicating with us as individuals and being in our hearts and in our lives, and I thank God for that. And you'll see in your notes there's a reference there to passage from Judges where it talks about Gideon who built an altar and he called it Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh is one of the names associated with Jehovah God in the Old Testament and often the Jews will talk talk about Yahweh. Yahweh our righteousness, Yahweh our banner, Yahweh our health and healing and so on but Jehovah Shalom says the Lord is peace. In fact when Gideon had this, he'd had an encounter with an angel. And his response was to say, I'm going to build an altar to that angel who he represents, the Prince of Peace. I've been to Israel, I'm sure some of you have, and if you've been there, it is still custom for Jewish people to say, Shalom. Shalom, Pete. Shalom, Dave has something in the intonation of it. It speaks of something that is different. Just turn to your neighbour on each side and say, Shalom. 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 It's peace. It's peace. The Bible says about Jesus, he himself is our Shalom our peace. And so we're not talking about being messianic Christians or Jews. We're saying Jesus is our peace. And so this morning, I want us to engage with that person and to find out what it means and how we can be part of that. And I think that passage is so apt for the world in which we live. when we look around us and we see this passage from Matthew, and I'm going to read to you. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. For such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Friends, we look at our world and we see that. We see the devastation of the torrential rain in our country that has wrought havoc in so many homes we see the devastation of earthquakes and famines around this world and we're pretty insulated from it but it's there but sometimes when it gets to the issue of wars it I think it comes home a bit closer it comes home because it's violent it's destructive And some of us almost can remember when there was a Second World War. For many of you, it's just a piece of history. But it was said in a a survey in 2014 that out of all the countries of the world, there were only 16 countries that had no conflict at all. That is a staggering statistic. And in fact, if you just look, if you were just to quickly think in your mind, where are there conflicts in the world? You could probably reel off 20 active conflicts of war, many in Africa, some in the Middle East, even some in South America, and even in Europe with the Ukraine. It's getting pretty close to home. And it can be very destabilizing because these things have that effect. How much more do we need the Prince of Peace to take us through those circumstances and to know he is with us These are some of the definitions of what peace is all about. It's freedom from civil disturbance. It's a state of security. It's harmony in personal relationships. It's mutual concord between governments. So it's about society. It's about family. It's about the big world in which we live that might be able to live together, work together, and be happy together. A writer that is not personally in my repertoire, Cornelius Platicus, wrote this. In the Bible, peace means the universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, the webbing together of God and humanity and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. The universal flourishing and the wholeness and delight, the webbing together. That's what peace is. It's It's a concord that we find ourselves somehow in mutual agreement. We find ourselves together in a place where it feels good to be. And so today, it's probably true, because there's a large number of us, that some of you are not in that place of peace, for whatever reason. Maybe not your fault. Sometimes circumstances mitigate against us and put us in predicaments that we'd rather not have. And so you're anxious, and you're fearful, and you're worried. And we've alluded to this on several occasions recently. And some of the things I've said can have that effect upon you. And it's, and it's not easy, and it's not good, and it's hard to do it. And so today, as we, we go through this period of discussing peace, I'm going to bring out three key points with some subheadings of what peace is all about. And we're going to use it as our reading it's on the front of your teaching notes, and it's taken from Philippians uh, chapter 4 and verses 4 through 13. And I'm going to read it. If you've got scriptures, you can open your Bibles, but if you want to read it from uh, the notes you have, I'm just going to take you through it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report... If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need... For I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the first thing I want to say today, peace is God-centered. Peace is God-centered. And in that context, I want to say peace is God-centered because it is a fruit of the Spirit. I know it dates me, but recently I was able to say, 50 years ago, I became a Christian. And I communicated that with the people who would led me to Christ. And it was 50 years ago today that I actually got baptized in the Spirit. And it was a, an unusual type of event outside of the normal realms of religious church, unless he was in certain sectors. And it was very easy in those days, because when you think about the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations that come from it, it can be exciting, it can be stimulating, and it it can be all those things. But the reality is, it's not only gifts, it is fruit. And Paul says here in verses 4 and 5, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I would say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let there be joy. Let there be gentleness. Let there be the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is a bit different than the gifts. The gifts often are in a plurality and you have some and you don't have others. But the fruit is the fruit. The fruit is the fruit that you are. And when you come to faith in Jesus, that Prince of Peace comes into your life. And he says that you can exhibit its love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, etc. Nine fruits of the Spirit. And they're all in you, if you're a believer. They're all part of what you are and what you can be. And so I like it to perhaps, perhaps like an orange. You have one orange, but you have lots of segments inside of it. And every one of those segments, if you like, is unique. And we've got the fruit of the Spirit inside of us. And you might say, well, I'm majoring on love or I'm majoring on joy. Not too good on the forbearance issue. Not too good on some of those more tougher ones. But every one of those segments is part and parcel of what we are. We can't take and cherry pick the good things. It's all part of us. And in that context, God needs to work in us. But it also comes by faith. It comes by faith in the sense that we walk with God and we believe what the Bible says and we're going to do it. You can't just say, I like that one and not that one. No, it's all together. But I believe it's a choice. It is a choice. Because how many people here, you don't have to raise your hands, have been through a tough time? How many have been through that valley of difficulty where it's all tough and it's hard work and you don't know how to get through it? I believe you can get through those moments because it's a choice to do so, because we have the peace of God that lives within us and wants to be part of us. I want to tell you a bit of a story, I can't go into too many details, but I've been involved in this building program for about 25 years, believe it or not, when we first looked at buildings a long time ago. I've been involved in, very thankfully, to be a key player in getting this facility built, and because that was my old career skill set. And a lot of people said, you know, that's great, and it is great. It's an amazing building. It's an iconic building on on the Cambridge landscape. It's fantastic. But you know, the devil's clever. Well, he's not very clever, really, but he pretends to be clever. Because when things are going well, he sneaks up on you, and he sends in a curved ball to unsettle your peace. He sends something across your bowels, and you think, oh, wow. And that was true for Anne and me. Two weeks after we had the grand opening, one morning I'm, I'm going over to Alpha Terrace, and, and just as I get there, I get a, a phone message from one of my children. It's something to do with our extended family. And it wasn't news that I was expecting. I'm a pretty tough guy. But it was like a sock in the stomach. It took the breath out of my sows. And I reeled, and Anne was soon with me and I told her. And it was not good news. In fact, I really want to have a cry, but big boys don't cry most of the time. And so I held it in, but inwardly, I was in turmoil. And so there were a few people around and we prayed about it and committed to God and but you know, I've made a choice. We have made a choice as a couple that we are going to commit that to God. We've made a choice that even though we can't do a lot about it, the people involved we're saying, God, come into that situation. Prince of Peace, come into my world. Prince of peace be with me in the turmoil and in the difficulty. I made a choice. And when we go through those moments in our lives, we can make a choice to have a pity party and no oh, what's going on? It's not fair. Or we can say, God, Prince of Peace, come into my world. Let that fruit be in my life. Let it make a difference in my world. And I want to encourage you that. You know, Steve mentioned from the Bible that uh, the devil comes as a robber. He, he comes to rob, steal and destroy and that's what Satan was trying to do. He's trying to say, Chris you've had it. I'm going to derail you. But you know robbers, they either come out in the middle of the day with shotguns and a rubber bank, or sometimes they just come in the middle of the night because it's dark and you're asleep and they come into your house or into your property. And they don't make much noise. And sometimes when we get disturbed, it's when we least expect it. When we're not ready for it. When we're doing something else. But I believe this. God is always on our case. God is always there ready for us. And even though we think we're going to be derailed, He's one step ahead of the devil. And I want to say, other religions, whatever they are, can pretend to give peace. But only Jesus is the one who gives us real peace and lasting peace. And secondly, peace is God centered because peace is a result of prayer. Peace is a result of prayer. In verse 6, Paul says this Be anxious for nothing. It's a command. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, with supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Somebody said, anxiety is the absence of peace. Anxiety is the place where we are fearful, where we're worried, where we're concerned. I want to draw you to a passage from Romans, Romans 8 verse 1. It says this, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but to the Spirit. You know, when you're in that place of anxiety, when you're in that place you're worrying, you think, what sort of Christian am I sometimes? You sometimes judge yourself and you say, I'm just a miserable person who hasn't got his life together. But the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. No condemnation, friends. Whatever your circumstances, whatever deal of the deck of cards you've had, there is no condemnation today. Please take that on board. If we are in Christ, we have been saved from condemnation. We are not in that prison cell. But he goes on to say at the end of Romans, which I feel is almost like completing the circle. He says in Romans 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation and there is no separation. If you like, it pulls it all together. You may feel not good enough, but God says you are good enough. There is no separation, no circumstance, no issue can separate you from the love of God. If you bring it to God in prayer, that passage read, it said this bring everything to God in prayer. Everything? Yeah, God wants to know everything. It's me and God time, you and God time. It's about saying, God, speak. That's what we want to hear. God, speak to us, and I'll listen most of the time it's us speaking and not listening but he says bring that request peace comes through prayer peace comes through communicating with God he says and bring your supplication it means my needs Lord you know this thing that gave me a whammy just after this building's been built you know that circumstance Lord he's not taken by surprise he already knew it's gonna happen but he says, will you step up to the plate, Chris, and bring that need to me? Will you say, God, just come into my world and make a difference? And he says, do it with thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I'm bringing my needs. Bring it with thankfulness. Bring it with thankfulness. Over the years, I've seen God come into situations that I knew it wasn't me, but somehow he's come in and Something amazing has happened. And I often say, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. He is amazing. You know, we've got so much to say, Father God, thank you. If nothing else, thank you that we've got peace and harmony in this country. Thank God that for most of us, you've got a home to live in. Thank God you've got food on the table. Thank God most of you have got a car to drive even. So many things to be thankful. They're just in the everyday being of life. Just be thankful. And then bring your requests. I think Paul just saying, let God know. Just let God know what's on the agenda for you. Let him know. And how do we do that? He says, if you do that... The peace of God will invade your space. The peace of God will come in a way that will make a difference and that you no longer worry. You no longer are fearful. You no longer are stressed out. And there are two verses that go with that. One is from Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. It says this, that we can have peace with God. Therefore, haven't been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. We have been justified by faith and we have peace with God. Maybe for someone today, it's the first step you need to take of saying, I need peace with God. Because my life is outside of God. My life is outside the envelope of his influence and what he's done for me. And I've never been to church or I've never been thinking about Christianity or religion. But the truth is, we need peace with God before we can have the peace of God. And so I want to invite you today that if you've never ever said, Jesus Christ, come into my life, to experience that wonderful saviour, then choose today to say, I want to have peace with God. And when you choose that, I can guarantee you, you will know the peace of God. And he says that peace passes all understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds. You know, you, 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 you can't write a script for peace. You, you can't have a formula. You can't try and say, if I tick all these boxes, it will guarantee Peace. we get that peace when we just say God come into my world Jesus change my life and make a difference and I believe that can be true for everyone secondly peace is other focused peace is other focused because peace is an action it's something we do that involves others it's something that takes me from being all about me to perhaps being all about you and those outside of this room and and wherever we are. Paul said this, the things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, verse 9, these do. And what happens? The God of peace will be with you. Paul said, show others what's going on. He said, tell others about Jesus. What you have learned, what you have received, what you have done. I'm certainly not an Apostle Paul, in fact, I'm not an Apostle, and I'm just an ordinary Christian. But Paul was a remarkable man, wasn't he? If he came into this room, said he had a crooked nose and he was not attractive, and probably we wouldn't have even thought he was an Apostle. You might have thought, he's an odd sort of guy, but he had a passion for the church and a passion for God and a passion for Jesus. He said, I'm prepared to do anything. And he said something like this. Are they servants of Christ? I'm so much more. Have I worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times he had 40 lashes, three times beaten with rods, pelted with stones three times, shipwrecked, been in the sea for a whole day, on the move all the time, in dangers of rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, dangers of Gentiles, the city, and the country, and the sea, false believers. I labored and toiled, gone without sleep, been hungry, been thirsty, gone without food, been cold, been naked, and beside everything else, I found the daily pressures of the concern of all the churches. Well, wow. it's bad enough looking after one church, Mr. Campbell. But all the churches, he said, I am prepared to go through all of that because I want to show and tell you what God is all about. That, to me, I don't think any of us could endure that in this room. There may be another saint out here somewhere, but I'm being honest. Just one or two of those things would be enough, wouldn't it? Just one of them. But he said, he wasn't boasting, he said, look what I've done for you. Look why I've really gone in to, to do this for you. And so I want to say to you today, As Christ followers, you know, there's a stat that says that most Christians or churchgoers go once every two weeks now to church. So it means every week you think you can have a week off. Every week you say, I don't need to go to church now unless it's some expediency. But you know, if we're going to grow up and be Christ followers, we need to be discipled. We need to learn in church. We need to learn in our small groups. We need to learn wherever we have the opportunity. And I'm going to say this to some of you. You need to show up in church and grow up in church. That's a bit hard cutting, but we do need to show up. It's no good saying, nobody cares about me. If you don't come along, you can't, can't do everything all the time. But if you come along, we're family, aren't we? Are we? Who's in the family? Oh, good. Hallelujah. Great. We're in the family, and the family is here to do you good. The family is here to help you grow. The family's here to put you in a good place. I know somebody said fellows, fellowship is fellows in the same ship, and sometimes we wouldn't have chosen chosen to be in the same ship, would we? But we are in the same ship. Is that right, Anthony? We are in the same ship, aren't we? And so we need to help one another. Take ourselves through that and get into that good place. And secondly, peace is other focus because it's a quality of your heart, Barbara says, Out of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. So, what you're thinking in here and here, boy, sometimes it comes out the wrong way. Any of you have ever been in a tip for tap with a partner or a friend, and it stews and it stews and it stews, and you have around what happens? Whoa, you, 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 and we say the things we wish we'd never said. You know, the toothpaste comes out of the tube and we can't get it back in anymore. And the damage has been done and the hurt's been done. And we might find it very hard to just put it back together. Well, there's a better way, friends. And it says this in verse 8. Finally, brethren, what's the things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, of virtue, and praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Isn't that that better way? Because if I do that... When the temptation comes for me to say something I shouldn't do, good things will come out of my heart. Good things will say, Simon's a great guy. What you did the other day was the right thing that you should have done. Words of encouragement, words of blessing, words of direction, rather than those negative words that you cut you down to size and make you feel like a nobody. He says, that if you think on those things... It will come out of the abundance of Christ that's within you. And he went on to say, I have learned in whatever state, in verse 11, to be content. He had learned that. Because out of the abundance of peace comes contentment. You know, when we don't have peace, we're striving and we're looking for things and we're wanting things and we're trying for things. But we're in that place of peace. Then there's contentment. And so I want to just say that to you. And then finally, in conclusion, peace is personally appropriated. Peace is something that we choose by our spirit to say, God, I want to invite you into my space. It's always a bit of a tension here because the Bible says um, faith, uh, about faith is, is a gift of God. It's not of works, it's not of this, it's not of that. In a sense, it is true. Faith does come through God. But it's also something that I choose to embrace. I say, I, I hear a message and I choose to do something about it. I heard a message the other day that really stirred me. and I said, God, I'm choosing to change my life in some areas because it touched into the heart of my personality and my being. And I want to say that to you this, this morning, that it says here in, in Isaiah, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God who trusts in Him. Who are we putting our trust in today? Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. Some trust in wealth. Some trust in position. Some trust in who they are but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Faith, peace comes through trusting that same Christ. And this, this afternoon as we just come to the close, I'm just reminded of Steve's message last week where he said, we need hope. We do need hope, don't we? In this fallen world, we need hope. And many of you responded across the front here to say, I need that. I believe this morning that in this room, there are some of you who are lacking in your peace. You said, I am worried. I am fearful. I am anxious. Well, I want to bring you an opportunity today to say, if you are one of those people, be honest with yourself and honest with God and say, if you're one of those people, will you raise your hand? Show me that you're in that place. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else saying, I'm lacking peace today? Thank you all the way along there. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What I'd like us to do, I'd like those who are nearest, I'm going to say nearest and dearest, but those who are nearest to, if, if those who raise their hands would stand up, please, so we can see who you are. It's not not, it's not a name and shame. It's a just an honoring, thank you, well done, thank you. And those who are near you, or if you see somebody you identify with, will you go across to them, put your hands on them, and we 're going to pray together over them and with them as family. Can you do that? There's some more people here, some long lines of people here. come across, pray with them. Just take a few minutes. Just pray together and then I want to bring it together. Okay? Just for a few minutes. Just pray with these people. Reach out to them. Jesus wants to bring you into a good place. Those that whole line of people there. Those of you who have been struggling, you're saying, I'm a failure. God says you're not a failure. There's no condemnation. Because you're in Christ. He says, you are his and he is yours. You need to respond. Just do that in Jesus' name. So as I bring it together, Father God, I just pray for every person in this room who has taken the courage to stand and has said, I need that peace in my life. And I speak peace to you. I speak shalom. I speak into every person, every young person, the Prince of Peace today. And so, Father God, we commend them by the word of your grace and by the power of your spirit that they might know the peace of God that passes all understanding, that he would guard their hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Let's just rise as we sing the last hymn. Thank you.